0: Hello and welcome to Hugh's Joy of Food, a bite-sized podcast celebrating all that's amazing about everything edible, from the simplest snack to the fanciest feast. I'm Hugh Smithson-Wright, and this week on Hugh's Joy of Food, I'm reviewing a fabulous Indian at-home feast from Chapati Club, sharing tips on how to get more vegetables into your diet when you really find it hard in Ask Hugel and working up an appetite reading restaurant critic Grace Dent's Moving Memoir Hungry in Treat of the Week. Each week on Hugh's Joy of Food, I review a restaurant in some way, whether it's one I've actually been to recently or a home delivery. First, a disclaimer. My job as a restaurant PR and consultant means that I'm paid to promote the interests of the handful of restaurants I represent. If I feature a client on this podcast, I'll make that clear, like I do on my social media channels, and in all cases, I'll make it clear if all or any part of a meal I review was complimentary. The meal I'm reviewing this week was sent to me free of charge by my new client, Chapati Club, so that I could try their food despite, for the time being, not being able to eat at the restaurant. There was no expectation that it would be reviewed, but it was so fantastic I felt I had to share it with you you can rest assured that everywhere I review, I recommend. This show is about the joy of food, so if you're looking for vicious eviscerations, this probably isn't the podcast for you. With that out of the way, it's time for this week's review. Chapati Club in Acton, West London, is something of a cult as restaurants go. Opened four years ago, almost to the day, in normal times it's usually packed with devoted clubbers as their customers are known. Who love Chapati Club for its excellent curries and street food style snacks? These, of course, aren't normal times, so, like many restaurants which have found themselves in the same boat, Chapati Club has taken to doing delivery, not only from its home in Acton, but also from a new delivery hub in Bermondsey covering much of south central London, which has brought their food to a new and much wider audience. So that I could try the food, despite the restaurant itself being closed, owners Resh and Hina kindly arranged a fairly enormous delivery for us this weekend, made up of what they consider to be some of their best dishes, although naturally they have confidence in everything on the menu. Everything comes in sturdy and importantly recyclable cardboard tubs and paper bags, which had kept everything piping hot on the journey to us from Ecton. To start, we had both veggie and lamb samosas, the latter of which were particularly good with their slightly cinnamony stuffing, hariali chicken, a variation of chicken tikka, fragrant with fresh herbs, and my favourite, belpuri, a wonderfully Moorish mix of spiced puffed rice and crackers, tossed together with two types of chutney to make an irresistibly sticky, crunchy snack, a bit like savoury rice krispies. For our main courses, Reshin sent a selection of their favourite curries – One of huge plump prawns in a slightly sweet, coconutty, caroline style sauce. Dark, rich, exhilaratingly spicy Acton Railway lamb, slow-cooked for hours and hours. Butter chicken, its classic combination of tomatoes and butter tasting, and I mean this in a very good way, not unlike cream of tomato soup. And Bang Bang Aubergine, one of a great many vegetarian options on the menu, every bit as complex and spicy as the Acton Railway lamb, but with generous chunks of aubergine in place of meat. We loved the pot of smoky, soothing black dal too. Of course, we had to have chapatis, light as air but with enough heft to hold up to much dunking in the myriad wonderful sauces, as well as fragrant pilau rice, a bright crunchy onion and chilli salad and cooling cucumber raita. Portions are generous, one curry per person or maybe three between two to share would probably have been plenty. As it was, we had plenty of delicious leftovers, much of which I devoured for lunch the next day. A cute little extra touch was a candy-striped paper party bag containing a handful of lollies and sweets is just a little something for afters. With starters mostly around the £6.50 mark, Curries and mains ranging from £7 to £11 and sides no more than £3 or three fifty. You could eat very well from Chapati Club for about £25 per person. Make it 30 and, like us, you'll have food for more than one meal. But as well as offering excellent food and value, something I love about Chapati Club is the heart and soul that's gone into it. Rash and Hina, a couple for more than 10 years and mums to two children, run a proudly gay-owned family business. Resh gave up a career in banking to follow her dream of owning a restaurant, while Hina is the creative genius behind the brand, and you can tell that this is a business run with passion as well as skill. As that magical date of May 17th draws ever closer, and with it the promise that restaurants can reopen at last, it won't be long before I, and I hope you, will be able to visit Chapati Club on the Vale in Acton and eat in. But for now, if you're within the delivery area, I can't recommend highly enough that you set an evening aside put on your stretchy trousers and order a feast for delivery from this truly lovely business. For all information and to order, visit Chapati Club, that's C-H-A-P-A-T-I-C-L-U-B dot UK. Each week, I answer a listener's burning culinary question in Ask Hugel. This week's question comes from Fraser, in Lever near Edinburgh, who says, Hey Hugel, I know that I need to eat more vegetables, but I find it hard. I've recently started to get more adventurous and ambitious with the food I cook for myself at home, but when it comes to vegetables, I'm somewhat stumped when it comes to inspiration, and I'm getting fed up with peas and carrots. Can you suggest some quick and easy ways with vegetables for me to try? Well, firstly, Fraser, let me congratulate you on wanting to get more vegetables into your diet. While I generally try to steer clear of giving anything that could be considered as diet or nutrition advice on this podcast, I think I'm on pretty safe ground in saying that eating more vegetables is something we should all aspire to. I totally get what you mean about it being difficult to achieve, though, especially when, like you, you're cooking for one. Cooking for one is hard enough in itself. You might remember that in episode 8 I answered a listener's question on exactly that topic and finding ways to vary the vegetable component of it is an additional layer of complexity. It's also difficult when shopping for one to avoid waste. With most of us shopping online at the moment or relying on shops in our local area, often the only choice is large prepacks of vegetables designed for families or couples which are too much for one person to get through and we're all rightly sensitive about food waste. So as a starting point, let me say that when it comes to vegetables, frozen is your friend. Peas and carrots aren't the only vegetables to be found in the freezer aisle. Broccoli, cauliflower, mixed vegetables and sweet corn are all there too, to name just a few. So instead of stressing over which fresh vegetables to buy that you think you'll get through, stock up on frozen instead and try to introduce a couple of handfuls of each to every meal. I'm a big fan of the bags of frozen stir-fry mix you can find in the supermarket, both as an accompaniment to a grilled chicken breast or pork chop, say, or indeed by themselves, just tossed in a wok with a splash of soy sauce and served on top of some noodles drizzled with sesame oil. Spinach is incredibly versatile and, as Popeye will tell you, very good for you as well. Don't be put off by the size of the bags of spinach in the supermarket – When cooked, and it can be steamed, boiled, or my favourite, sautéed, that seemingly massive bag of spinach will collapse down to a very manageable portion. Something I've been enjoying a lot recently is a very quick curry made by cooking chunks of chicken thighs until browned, then adding mushrooms, which I don't even bother cutting, I just break them into the pan, loads of spinach, a teaspoon of hot curry powder, and some coconut milk, about a quarter of a tin. Stir it all together until the spinach has collapsed and the chicken is cooked through and you have yourself a very satisfying meal that's loaded with healthy veg. Often a disincentive to eating more vegetables is the fuss we perceive there'll be to prepare. There's this idea that vegetables have to be peeled, trimmed and chopped to a neat uniform size, but they really don't. Almost all vegetables can be cooked in their skins and indeed many nutritionists say that a lot of the goodness is in the skins, so they're the last thing you want to get rid of. All most vegetables need to be ready to cook is a quick wash and roughly chopping into bite-sized pieces. They really don't have to be perfect. Also, Fraser, don't ever feel guilty about spending money on pre-prepared vegetables like those little bags that can go straight into the microwave. Yes, they're more expensive than buying veg separately, but they exist for a reason, namely to make eating more vegetables as quick and easy as possible, which is exactly what your question was. Often these come not only peeled and trimmed, but also dressed in a delicious sauce or butter, so you don't even need to season them after you tip them out of the bag and onto your plate. If you don't already own one, Fraser, treat yourself to a tiered steamer. This way, you can cook two or three vegetables at the same time on just one ring, so you're not fiddling around with multiple rings on the hob and several pans. I love steaming as a way of cooking veg, particularly things like tender stem broccoli, asparagus and green beans, which are all best served when they retain a little crunch. And remember, vegetables don't have to be cooked at all. Instead of fretting over what vegetables to cook with every meal, switch out hot veg for a simple mixed salad with either a shop-bought or homemade dressing. I love the spinach, rocket and watercress salad most supermarkets do a version of, just with olive oil and red wine vinegar, with spring onion or some very thinly sliced red onion added, and if you like them, chopped anchovy fillets. I have this as an accompaniment to roast chicken or grilled lamb chops and it's great. Lastly, while I've concentrated here on what vegetables to eat with things, the best way to get more vegetables into your diet would be to make them the main event by cooking some entirely vegetarian meals from time to time. There are some amazing vegetarian cookbooks out there, like Nigel Slater's Green Feast, for example, but any cookbook you happen to have on your shelf will include some veggie recipes to inspire you. Why not start with a stir fry or a delicious pasta sauce? Not only will you not miss meat, but you'll have the satisfaction of knowing that you're eating those vegetables you've previously struggled to get enough of. I'd love to know how you get on, Fraser, and well done for taking such good care of yourself. If you'd like me to have a go at answering your food-related question, you can tweet me at HRWright or send me an email to HRW at For my final segment, Treat of the Week, each week I share something food or drink related that's been putting a smile on my face. This week, it's Hungry, a memoir by Guardian restaurant critic and MasterChef judge Grace Dent, which is one of the best and funniest books about, or at least largely about, food that I've ever read. To most people, Grace will need no introduction. She's been a much-feared restaurant critic for over a decade, first at the Evening Standard magazine, and then, since 2018, at The Guardian. She's also a regular judge on all of the various versions of Masterchef, where her often blunt but never cruel comments have made her someone contestants revere and fear in equal measure. Delivering both barbs and bouquets alike with a smile and in her unmistakable Cumbrian accent, grace in her colourful wrap dresses, distinctive beehive hairstyle and jewelled clip-on earrings is the living, breathing embodiment of an iron fist in a velvet glove. But the only person who comes in for any form of criticism in Hungary, apart from one childhood nemesis who's on the receiving end of a brilliant act of revenge saved up for many years and served very cold that made me laugh out loud for ages, is Grace herself. The tone of the book is one of self deprecation, and it's less an opportunity for the subject to sing her own praises, as so many memoirs are, as to marvel at how this girl from Curragh went on to become one of the most recognised writers and broadcasters in the country. Hungry opens with one of the book's most touching anecdotes about making sketti, seven-year-old Grace's attempt at saying spaghetti, with her dad. She vividly describes the process, remembered now in adulthood, of adding onion to oil in a stained frying pan, stirring it around so it wouldn't burn, before adding mince and her dad's secret ingredient, a tin of Campbell's condensed tomato soup. That 40 years later Grace can still recall in minute detail the exact process of making Sketti demonstrates just how much of an impression food makes on us and its importance in our relationships. This theme, particular meals shaping our memories of the people we've shared them with, runs throughout the book, but hungry is a metaphor too. Hunger for a life outside of Curric, hunger to fit in, hunger for success, hunger for people who are sick to get better. Grace and I are around the same age, so I related very much to her account of how seismic the shift in her family's eating habits was when a NASDAQ superstore opened in Carlisle in the 1980s. Anyone who's only ever known supermarkets within walking distance and convenience stores on every corner, and of course the almost immediate availability of everything via the internet, might be amazed to realise that that hasn't always been the case. There was a time when shopping was done in individual butchers, bakers and greengrocers, supermarkets where they existed might be many miles away. Shopping trips would be planned days or even weeks ahead. So the opening of a massive supermarket closed to home was quite literally life-changing. Grace describes family outings to the big Asda, everyone piling the trolley high with whatever caught their eye. A paradigm shift from only ever buying what you needed to buying things you consciously knew that you didn't. This fondness for things like the supermarket and the simplicity of Sketty remains with Grace as she moves away, first to university and then to London, where she begins a career in newspapers and magazines that would, eventually, see her become the critic we know, or at least feel like we do, today. As her opportunities to eat out expand beyond the limitations of Carlisle, her growing fondness for the finer things in life never tips over into snobbery. What I love most, I think, about Hungary is that fundamentally Grace never loses sight of how lucky any of us is to have food on our plate, however titivated and at times ridiculous it might be. In the later chapters where Grace writes about becoming a restaurant critic and Master Chef judge and the dual blessing and curse of the celebrity that comes with it, there are some especially funny passages which go some way to dispelling the popular misconception that being a restaurant critic must be the best job in the world. There are also some of the book's saddest chapters, as Grace describes her father suffering from dementia and her mother's long illness from cancer, of which, since the book was published, she has sadly died. Hungry is a touching and, as you'd expect, often hysterically funny exploration of how food and our relationship with it shapes us. It's also a reminder that while someone famous might have a particular persona on screen, off screen they're a human being like the rest of us. They feel, they hurt, they struggle. Hungry isn't just a very funny book about how ridiculous the life of a restaurant critic can be. It's the story of someone who's loved food and has expressed love through food her entire life. I hope there'll be more memoirs from Grace, because I, for one, am hungry for more. As bookshops reopen on Monday the 12th of April, I'd encourage if you can, to buy Hungry, which is published by Mudlark, from an independent bookstore, or if you can't get to one, from a website that supports them, like hive.co.uk or bookshop.org. Just before I go... I'd like to ask that if you're in a position to, you'll consider supporting one of the many brilliant charities working tirelessly to ensure that children, disadvantaged families and the homeless don't go hungry during the pandemic, such as Magic Breakfast, Fair Share, Street Smart and the Trussell Trust. That's it for this week. Thanks ever so much for listening. If you'd like to get in touch, you can tweet me at HRWright or send me an email to HRW at com. And I hope you'll join me next week for more of Hugh's Joy of Food.